0: This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Lots to talk to you about tonight. Uh We'll start up with the... Well, something positive uh, from Lou Rockwell over at lourockwell.com. There's certainly enough bad news to go around about the the situation with the government and it becoming more and more of a police state every single day. And we could just keep going down the list of uh, just awful news. But it's nice to have somebody with a positive perspective about what's going on out there, specifically in regards to the marketplace and the economy. So we'll start with that. Of course, take your calls about whatever you want. Lou Rockwell writes... That it's a marvelous thing to see the market work in good times and bad. Just look at the way that marvelous unplanned barometer of wise resource use, the price system, has reacted in response to the human reality of economic downturn. As we prepare for the future with the holidays upon us, consumers are wondering whether it's a wise thing to take on too many new financial burdens. They're cutting back and still somewhat indecisive about the economic climate. For most people, the only real evidence of downturn they see is the devastation that's been wrought on their retirement accounts. This causes quite a psychological
1: hesitation to buy. Oh, there's probably property values, too. That's a factor. And a lot of people are seeing unemployment.
0: What consumers need to spend is a solid inducement, one that coordinates financial responsibility with their material needs, and the retailers are there to provide it. Thus are prices being chopped from one end of the country to the other. Earrings that were $700 are now $250. Purses that were $1,000 are now $250. Large screen televisions that were $2,000 are $1,200. Suits that were $900 are going for $400. Deals are everywhere, from laptops to cell phones to cars. The street wisdom is that now is the time to buy. Imagine if these prices were fixed, however, by some central committee. Yeah. The response would be slow in coming if it happened at all. The committee would, would likely stick by some cost-plus-pricing rule that wedded present realities to past expense. But in the free market, there's only one reality, and that is the present problem of balancing cons, uh, consumer demand with economic viability. The price mechanism provides a means of coordinating consumer demands with producer realities. Retailers are wildly overstocked with goods at the moment having made their purchases for Christmas way back in the springtime or the summer. He says we should never forget that sellers have to buy goods before they sell them and that this is always a speculative enterprise. The downturn hit hard and suddenly, and its impact has been felt up and down the structure of production. Retailers find themselves with a serious problem of overstuffed inventory, a declining cash flow, and a financial sector that's risk-averse. The solution is to disgorge, and this affords precisely... Or this accords, rather, precisely with the demand of consumers. So in this one signal of the price, we see a remarkable coordination taking place. When you put all these price cuts together and they are pervasive, you end up with a macroeconomic setting that's a great relief to consumers in troubled times. Wouldn't you know that the press would find this to be a cause to bellyache about the supposed dangers of deflation? And in a crazy, upside-down way, we find politicians, financial managers, and economists quoted all over the place who have deduced that the real problem with the economy is falling prices. They're, confused, uh, they're confusing cause and effect. The cause of the downturn is that the bubble burst... And the effect is downward pressure on prices. The interests of producers and consumers are being coordinated here. For central planners to interrupt this process will only end up punishing everyone so that consumers will not be able to save money on good deals and businesses will end up carrying more inventory than they can afford. We'll be robbed of the blessing of lower prices, which are, contrary to what some people say, wholly compatible with economic growth. Now also... The less the consumers spend now means the more they'll have left over to save for the future, which also seems to be a wise choice today. Not only that, falling prices are an important means for flushing economic error out of a system that's rife with malinvestments generated during boom times. I won't go into this point further, but rather point you to the mind-opening work of Guido Hulsmann, Deflation and Liberty. Those who posit a disharmony of interest between consumers who want falling prices and overall economic health are showing an attachment to Keynesian-style thinking, which at its most fundamental level asserts that prices don't work to coordinate supply and demand. Hmm. In fact, we see them working every day. The market, if left alone, is the means by which harmony among all market actors is achieved. Many people have wondered how it's possible that the Federal Reserve would be engaging in such a massive expansionary trend, creating money without limit, even as prices tend to fall. The answer can be found in the balance sheets of the banking system. The reserves are there, but they're finding new, or rather, finding few willing borrowers. We often hear about the credit crunch, but the real source of the supposed problem here is a borrowing crunch. Borrowers are not in any position to expand and invest for the future. This is why, despite the Fed's effort to expand, the money supply today is actually shrinking. And this I was not aware of. Uh, I I thought that uh, the Fed was printing out more money and, and expanding the money supply, but Lou Rockwell saying it's actually shrinking. Very interesting. Uh, The Fed is pushing a variety of workarounds that would inject trillions in new money to the economy while bypassing the banking system altogether. Time will tell whether or not this will succeed. Meanwhile, a serious danger lurks around the corner. Once the recession is over, the lending will start again. With fractional reserve banking and limitless supplies of cash on hand, we'll likely see the overall price trends reversed from deflation to inflation to possible hyperinflation. Timing and extent entirely depend on many unknown factors, but it's something worth thinking about today. The urgency of price declines today then becomes all the more apparent. Now is the time to cut prices as low as possible. Yes, this means growing business failures, unemployment, and much worse, but this is precisely what's needed. As the Austrians have long said, the recession is a necessary phase. It's not an economic blight, but instead a tonic that heals. If we let the market work without trying to interfere with its operations, we'll see the recession will bottom out and the economy prepare for future growth. There's nothing that the government can do today apart from repealing laws and regulations that will make an improvement on the workings of the marketplace. As Mises wrote in *Profit and Loss*, the price system is our guide to both success and failure under conditions of freedom. We need to be as tolerant
1: toward one tendency as the other. Your thoughts, Jens? I I think it's uh, I think it's great. And uh, for the people that don't understand uh, economics, and I I must say I'm only a student, not a, a teacher of economics. <clears throat> I think that it's... I'd say I'm a novice at best. Yeah, the novice is probably a good term. You know, the, the pricing really does drive supply and demand. If the prices are too high, the supply is too high, the demand's too low.
0: What did we see on Black Friday with the Walmart stampede? If that price is too low, people will kill each other to try to get the product. And do, yes. Take the doors off the hinges, knock each other over.
1: Get in fights. Right. We're talking about a recession here that we're in the midst of. Um, people are comparing it to the Great Depression and uh, the the, uh, the depression of 17, 1873. Uh, you know they're they're talking you know in really black terms. The fact is, a group of consumers in Long Island thought that it was worthy to trample a man to get these flat screen TVs or whatever mm-hmm. during a recession. So price drives demand.
2: The the problem is that the government doesn't like it when prices drop because people – Keynesian economics uh, seems to say that that's a problem, even though it's just the price uh, scale working. So it's just supply and demand. It's adjusting for people's needs and wants versus what they have to trade, and the government wants to prop up the prices we have today. Pricing dropping is great,
1: right? Because the government seems to be, and and uh, people in general seem to be all about the status quo. The fact is, when somebody has to lower their price, somebody else gains, and uh, that so so from a macro scale, um, you know, uh, you know, and that's what they're supposed to be looking at. That's a good thing. Yes, it hurts me that the value of my home in Florida that I own has been diminishing. This at one true. point, it was at uh, worth more than a quarter million dollars. Now it's worth probably 160. So you know is it, it, and that's if I can get somebody to pay me for it because it's not worth 160 unless I can get somebody to pay me for yeah, it. That's true. So you know that's just the way that goes. I, you know I, I, I bought it at the very beginning of the bubble, and you took a risk. It's still not worth less than what I bought it for. Toll free number here for your thoughts is
0: 800-259-9231.
2: The government's being a little bit more subtle this time, though. I think about how they're trying to prop up prices because during the depression they actually would either plow under, say, crops that farmers were growing, or they would pay people not to grow produce to try to keep prices high, which was bad for the average person. It's one of the reasons you saw bread lines during the depression, and you haven't yet. But now what they're doing is just injecting money into the system to try to f- fight price deflation. And we're going to see that bounce back the other way, like Lou Rockwell saying there.
0: In fact, speaking of injecting money, uh, 48 people lined up to the federal trough uh, recently. 48 governors. We'll tell you what they're looking for here in moments. 800-259-9231. It's not a pat on the back either. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. They include the bulletin board system. We've got... A lot of posts, over 400,000 of them. You'll find them all completely free. Serious issues to fun stuff, you find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows that we, uh, the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL, C-A-I. As we go to your phone calls about what you want, Steve, in Oklahoma, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, Steve. What's on your mind tonight?
3: Hey, um, um, great show. I'm, I'm enjoying listening. I've um, I, I've just been listening to the gentleman um, and his book. I didn't quite get the title, but uh, God's Warning to America. And um, you know, I kind of um, I'm, I'm kind of a little worn out by. Um, um, I'm sorry. What was just, the book that you mentioned? Uh, I don't know which. Uh, I don't know if it was a book. The the. the gentleman that you've just had on was talking about god's warning to america and he was talking no about, I uh,
0: you must be listening to a different show but you can go ahead with your point anyway this is free talk live you can call in about anything we were talking about uh the economy so you must oh, be listening right. to something I'm terribly else
3: sorry. well okay i can make a i can i can probably make a point on that okay um, go ahead well i was i was listening to um um what was predominantly um um a, a christian based show and i thought it was the gcn network it was the same but um what I, what I want, the point that I wanted to make when I tried to get through to, to GCN earlier when I was listening to, um, I think it was Alex Jones, was that um, there appears to be missing some kind of uh, um, idea of, of, of what to do, of, of what transition to make in, into making action, because there's a lot of information now as to what the problems are, shadow governments, secret governments, um, plans to uh, lead the media, lead us by the nose into war, the, the things that are going on in India, the the the, the globalization of the auto industry and every other production-based uh, economy so that no um, nation can de- de- defend itself. But what's missing, I think, is that um, uh, through listening to all of this is nobody's pointing to um, a political solution. Everybody's talking about... Um, Buying seeds, getting water, solar panels, becoming
0: independent. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, I and I have to say that I mean I I know what you're talking about. A lot of the shows that are on our network are of that sort of oh I don't know shall we say fringe conspiracy theory well, defeatist uh, attitudes Well, like... they adopt defeatist attitudes because the pa- the picture that they paint for themselves is just so grim. It's just so bleak. Uh, You know, the, oh, my God, the Bilderbergers are going to take, you know, they're taking over the world. It's going to be a one-world government. They're going to exterminate 80% of the population. These
1: men are insidious. You can't fight them. They're too powerful. Right. Get your food now. Build your bunker.
0: Hop in there and uh, just stock and get up. A gun. get a right. gun. From the, get a gun from the gun shop.
3: And I always think of, every time I hear that, that people say that, I always think of uh, the Davidians in Waco and David <laughs> Koresh. I mean, they had a few guns themselves, but it didn't save them. When yeah. But
0: uh, when, well, when you're up against the uh, the the U.S. military, the odds are not on your side. Although that said, the uh, the insurgents in Iraq have been doing an okay job against them. Uh, but but I see where you're coming from. And on this show, this is Free Talk Live. Uh, it is an open format show, but we do approach the issues from a pro-liberty perspective. And it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, look at the rise of the police state. Look at all this terrible stuff happening. Uh, but at the same time, it's also something well, something we try to do is give solutions. And uh, But before I give you a solution, I have to ask, how do you feel about liberty? I mean, do you, do you feel like uh, that's something that you want for your life? Are you willing to allow others to have freedom for their lives, uh, even if they might choose to do something that you wouldn't choose to do?
3: Well, here's my—if I can make a point, because I'd like to just—just just, I, I do have a, a, an idea of a solution. I'd love to hear yours, but if I can just make a yeah, point, yeah, by to, all means. I—I—I—I um, I, I, I believe in—I believe in 100% tolerance. I believe I. I I, I don't believe in the death penalty. I, I don't. I don't believe in um, uh, personally. I mean, I'm very. I'm very. Uh, I hate the word liberal because in this country it kind of has a negative connotation. But mm-hmm. I. I believe that m- most crimes should come under the Mental Health Act rather than the Criminal Justice. Uh, you know, I think that um, you know, if society looks after, if governments are elected and look after their citizenry because they're elected to do so, and we educate people properly uh, and, and we treat them well. Uh, that over over a generation or two has a much more positive effect on crime uh, in the long run than if you just keep building bigger prisons and criminalizing everything i think it's, i think it's uh, I, I think it 's counterproductive in the long run but here 's my idea of a solution. I think that what 's happened with Obama because i personally i 'm terrified of this guy and was the day after he got nominated and went and did a speech to AIPAC promising thirty billion in unconditional uh, aid to Israel. I thought this guy's a dark horse here. Um, so I, I was worried about him, but I, I've, there, but there is some good things that's come out. He has shown how there is an appetite and an undercurrent and, and, and a asylum majority in this country, just in the way that his internet campaign mobilised people. And even though when they find out Obama is not the the messiah that they seem to think that he is, what what's been shown is that there is a way, and there are there are free thinking people. There are institutions and there are methods to deliver a, a message of liberty and freedom to people because he's proved it in this election. So the very things that they, they have used to mobilize people erroneously during this election can be turned, turned against them and used for, a, um, uh, for, for the election of a proper political organization because we need another one. The Democrats and the Republicans, I think, are dead. They're controlled and I, and I and I wonder whether or not they I, I have, have to
0: say back. that I see where you're I see where you're coming from on this because I used to have a similar uh, viewpoint the idea of well let's build a third party and get a third party candidate elected and 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 I, I think that you know there's some merit to where you're coming from but I personally have rejected it at this point and that is because I think the federal government is a complete and utter useless organization. In fact, yeah, it's less, than, it's less well, than useless. It's dangerous, and there's no amount of right people that you can elect to an agency it's that out of control, has no to other point,
1: tool beyond coercive force. It's irredeemable in the sense that it's, you, you, you just can't get it back. It's too big of a juicy plum for the people that would use power, and it's so so thoroughly entrenched that I, I just don't think that uh, even electing a, a guy to president, if you, got a, if you had elected Ron Paul to the presidency it would have been a great start but, but that's I...
0: not th- that's not to say that we're defeatist about what the the future of liberty might possibly be so i'll Present my solution here briefly for you, and that is that if you love liberty, you truly understand, and you say you're 100% tolerant, and that sounds good to me. It sounds like you're on the right track for sure. Uh, you sound like a definite candidate. Uh, the people that have joined the Free State Project are, I think, the most. I think they're the, the most effective group of activists I've ever cr- uh, come across, and they're focusing their activism in one geographical area, and or geographic area, and that happens to be uh, New Hampshire. So instead of focusing on the national government. Which is incredibly difficult to do anything in the realm of changing Uh, There there are political activists, since you sound like you're into politics You'll find a lot of political activists up here in New Hampshire Doing some just absolutely unprecedented and exciting things And what I'd like to invite you to do is to go to freestateproject.org And learn more about the organization Have Have you ever heard of it?
3: No, well, I, you see, the other thing that I've got is that I'm, um, I'm actually, I haven't given my real name because I'm kind of worried, So, um, but I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, and I've just uh, produced a, a movie, which um, I, I won't, I'm not going to necessarily promote it, but I, 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 after, the, uh, after 2005, when I realized that um, uh, hostages were being killed in, in Baghdad, and then uh, I, the media were using those hostage videos to, 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 to build consensus for all kinds of things that were going on, I, I decided that I was very angry. Well, I I can tell you
0: that we need doers. We need the people that are willing to actually get things done instead of the people that are just cowering in their basements. So head over to freestateproject.org, and I thank you for the call. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's in here with you. And yeah, Nick and Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. The features, by the way, include the updates. You get signed up. We clue you in whenever there's something you need to know about. Free Talk Live. Just go to updates com to get on the list for free. That's
1: com. Do you want to easily update the look of those old cabinets or that old set of drawers? You can do it with new knobs and pulls. The fact is, you know, if, if you're looking to sell your house right now, you can really spruce up the, the look of the kitchen by just changing out the knobs. And you can do it by going to innerknobs.com. You can uh, save... 10% off of your off the already wholesale price at internobs.com and support a business that supports Free Talk Live. That's internobs.com for friendly service and wholesale prices for knobs and pulls at internobs.com.
0: You skipped how you save 10%. No, I didn't. No, you, you said you can save 10%, but you didn't say how.
1: I'm sorry. Use code FTL.
0: FTL is in Free That's Talk correct. Live to save 10% at internobs.com. We go to Mike in Ottawa. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike.
4: Hi, Ian. I'm a little bit sleepy, a federal government worker that only gets 50% of his take-home pay because of too many taxes as it is. But did life. I hear that right? Ford is going to get $25 billion to send jobs to Brazil.
1: Is that true? I don't know. Yes. This is breaking news? Well, uh, that, it's not terribly breaking, but... No? Uh,
0: I, I mean, I ha- it's hard to keep track of It looks of like, all like the bailout the has occurred. Well, this may affect me, too,
4: because of the auto pact. I mean, what does this mean? Next year I can't even send the kids to Taekwondo?
0: <laughs> I'm, n- I'm not sure what this you means. have heard that? They're, they're, so they're t- how much I heard was that it? about an
4: hour ago. I was half asleep. I heard something on the radio about Ford's guarantees include twenty-five billion, but they're going to build plants in Brazil.
0: It's very interesting. Well, you know, I hey, know. It's, that's what government's that all about. It's about uh, rewarding your friends and punishing your enemies. And uh, so, sounds like uh, well, Ford's got some friends. My question is: cars or buy
4: more uh, chainsaws?
0: Well, I don't know. Thanks for the eight call eight today, to
2: well, well, I did have a quick question. Um, oh, are you still there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Aren't GM and Ford, don't they make some of their cars in Canada? Are are you familiar with that
4: or not? Well, I think generally most of the cars were made in Canada originally, in the southern house short. Yeah,
2: because my impression was that even though they're so-called American auto, right, they're they're already made in Ontario or somewhere else that's not the United States, so I I guess the fact that they're sending the jobs to Brazil, it's further away.
4: they're talking 9,000 layoffs in the next 18 months in Ontario.
0: Mm. So this is something that's affecting uh, Canadian workers. Then, very interesting. I appreciate well, you bringing that is up.
4: Very much on our mind.
0: Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what, when did this news break.
4: I heard it on the radio about an hour and a half ago. Okay. I don't know.
0: I'm looking something here about, on the uh, uh, on the Drudge Ford Report, and I was
4: presenting a plan to Congress.
0: Yeah, I see Ford requesting correct. nine billion loan. Twenty-five
4: G- billion. GM
0: guarantee. looking for eighteen billion. So
1: um, NPR was talking about something like this.
0: Well, anyway, a lot of money, uh, taxpayer dollars or or, or I guess printed money is going to be going to these auto companies most likely. And if it results in what you're suggesting, then that's that's terrible news. But is anybody really surprised at this point? Well, I
4: know Ontario and New York are very closely linked, but this is ridiculous.
0: Well, I thank you for the call and and good luck up there in the uh, the great northern areas, uh, Canada there being affected by the bailouts, too.
2: It, it certainly is. And, you know, there are parts of Ontario, from my experience of going there and from what I've heard from Canadians, Ontario is essentially uh, New Jersey and Detroit sort of rolled into one for Americans. That's my impression. Hmm. It, that's where a lot of their heavy industry is, and it seems like that's where a lot of those auto jobs would be is in Ontario. And, you know, I, I'm sure it's it does affect them negatively, but if the government didn't step in which i don't think they should i still think you'd see some of those jobs going away i I think you might see certain cars you'd see car models that aren't very profitable being discontinued and uh, that would be a better system i mean it would allow the market to decide uh, you know which plants stay open based on which cars are in demand and which cars make a profit for those companies so they can stay in business and still make cars it'd be much better to leave that to the free market but regardless of how things pan out, you're still going to see auto workers out of work. And you're going to see a lot of other workers out of work. It's not just the auto industry. that's getting They're just not selling the cars that, that
1: they were. And, you know, I don't know that that's Congress's fault or, or anything. I mean, I, I don't think that, I don't see any reason at all that Congress should be involved in something like this. But, you know, well, it, uh, I, I mean, the, things are going to change in the auto industry no matter what.
2: And it ma- it makes sense that Americans would scale back their purchases. And to be honest, a lot of Americans didn't need to be buying a new car every two or three Certainly years. not. It, it would have been just as cost-effective, if not more, to just keep driving the same car. It doesn't have to be a piece of junk, but push it a couple more years. Uh, you know, a car should last more than two or three years. And a lot of people,
1: especially new cars, they're you yeah. know they're they're just built better than they were in the right.
2: 80s. And it, it makes no sense to be buying a new car every few years because a new car is going to devalue as soon as you drive it off a lot. It starts to lose value. Anybody
0: so, that's concerned about finances should not be buying brand new cars. Period. Whether it's good times or bad times, if you're concerned about your finances, you're a fool to buy a new car. In my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I'd wait. I'd buy a pre-owned with more than thirty thousand on it. Would be my recommendation. Yeah. I mean, you don't want something with too many miles on it because you want it to be reliable and you don't want to have a ton of repair bills, but. You don't need to be buying anything that's brand new.
1: Yeah, I, I I I agree that I would get something with uh you know a used car with some lower lower mileage, but when when purchasing a car, to me, it should be the point where you're like, well, let's see repairs versus, um you know what it's going to cost me to you know buy a new car. I, I say, this 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 car is just costing me so much. I guess I just got to get a new one. I had a car like that. I had a, a BMW. But when you that- say
0: new, you don't mean new.
1: Well, I mean, new to me. Right. I, 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 look, the fact is, until I have a million dollars, I'm not going to buy yeah. a new car. I just don't. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, I understand. If you can't
0: go and buy a new car with cash, you shouldn't be buying a new car.
1: I, I, I understand why some people do it. They they say to themselves, well, I don't want to have to deal with the repairs. But I swear, I, you know, There's all the lot of new cars that break down, all the new mileage or the low mileage uh, used cars that I've bought, they've been fine. Yeah. Now, I you know, I made a I made the mistake one time of uh, deciding, you know, I'm going to get a sports car instead of a regular car and i just dumped a lot of money into the bmw mm-hmm. where i could have you know bought something else uh, that would have been similar but not as zippy and saved money
0: the toll-free number here is 800-259-9231 so yeah the auto industry looking for some serious bail uh, but yet it appears to be that they're in the planning stages at this point it doesn't look like the actual bailout has been uh, initiated Of course, there's another bailout that's in the planning stages. It's to the tune of $100 billion, and there are 48 state governors that are asking for this one.
2: Okay, I was going to ask what this was. This one was yes. for, because we had financial companies, and we had auto industry, and now we have the states.
0: Yeah, uh, according to Bloomberg, U.S. governors will ask that any federal stimulus plan for the states include as much as $100 billion in aid. Oh, excuse me, this is just a, an inclusion request, so the actual amount is probably going to be much larger than this. They're just saying they need at least $100 billion just to cover the swelling costs of social services. So they're saying that uh, if, indeed, there is going to be a stimulus plan for the states, it has to at least have $100 billion hmm. for social services. Forty-eight governors met with President-elect Barack Obama uh, today, apparently, to press their case for a federal package to help them weather the U.S. recession that began in 2007. Uh, the state executives want an assistance plan to create jobs through infrastructure projects such as highways and to aid with programs such as unemployment benefits, food
1: stamps, and health care for the poor. According to Governor Ed Rendell from you know, Pennsylvania, is, to me this is just so silly. It doesn't make any sense. You, when you're talking about a time of, uh, you know, recession as we're going with going through here, the fact is that this money, where is it going to come from from the federal government? Likely, or at least what we we people believe, is from taxes. Mm-hmm. Well, where do the taxes come from? The same damn people that they're going to be helping. Supposedly. Let people, yeah, but in the process, we have to employ a bunch of bureaucrats on both the state and the federal level in order to pass this money out. Doesn't it make sense to just leave the money in the hands of the people that need it? The fact, okay, so you say, that. well, what about the rich people are going to have money and the poor people won't? Well, the rich people employ the poor people. So true.
2: Even if you, even if you were going to take this money through taxes, it would make more sense to have the states do it individually. You're not going to have as many middlemen in Washington handing it out, so it's going to be more effective. You're not going to have that bureaucratic overhead. You'll still have some at your state capital, but if you're going to tax people more for programs or to make up for budget shortfalls, It would make more sense to tax them at the local level.
0: But, of course, you can't tax people at the local level because an amount of money like this has to be essentially printed out of thin air. And that's the
2: problem, is that the feds have the printing press and the state governments don't.
0: And this will, of course, make the, uh, the states even more subservient to the feds than they already are. More on the way, and there's more numbers on this. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the Cycle CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, get your holiday shopping done at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. New items, used items, whatever it is you need to buy, enter through amazon.freetalklive.com and feel good because you're getting the products you want at great prices and you're helping Free Talk Live all at the same time. Really, what could be better than that? amazon.freetalklive.com. So uh, back to the story here briefly and then to your phone calls. uh, Bloomberg reporting that the governors have met with soon-to-be President Barack Obama and have asked him to include in a federal stimulus plan for the states as much as $100 billion in aid to just cover the costs of social services. In addition, they also say they need more than $130 billion in infrastructure projects that are waiting to go ahead if funding is secured. Now, this is an interesting quote from Governor Rod Blagojevich. He says, we're not asking for the federal government to bail us out. We will do our part. Well, what is that supposed to mean? This is called a stimulus plan. They're not talking about loans. They're talking about aid. That sounds to me like a handout. So what's he talking about when he says he's going to do his part? The $100 billion would be in addition to the infrastructure projects, uh, said the governor in an in interview. Uh, he said the total amount of any assistance from Washington and when it might come are unclear. So we're talking about a minimum of $230 billion is what they're asking for right now. Probably some other things that they'll come up with between now and the time the uh, the bill actually comes through. It'll be more
1: than a trillion. It'll be before, more, so. yeah.
0: More than a trillion for I sure. Agree. Yeah. Uh, Rendell said the meeting was productive and that Obama was receptive to the state's needs. He said no price tag or time frame from a stimulus package has emerged. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. As people lose their jobs, they're going to look to us for help. We didn't just come here begging for help. Obama said he wants any rescue legislation to provide a bottom-up stimulus that begins at the state level, and he would like governors to help draft the measure. He told the governors, if we're listening to our governors, we'll not only be doing what's right for our states, we'll be doing what's right for our country. Make no mistake, these are difficult times. Are they? Are they that difficult? Are you having a difficult time right now? Maybe it's just because we're here in New Hampshire, the economy's pretty good. Um, maybe it's because we're doing a successful radio show. But are you having a difficult time right now? Maybe if you're living in certain parts of Michigan,
1: perhaps I can tell you, uh, ad revenues are, are pretty flat. Um, really, you know, they're, they're down um, for the show. So I don't know how it is. You know, I you you probably are you don't... eating ramen yet? I am not eating okay. rum. Not that difficult. Well, But I'm not going out like I, t- to eat like I used to. That's a good point. More than half of the
0: states are suffering from declining revenue in the fiscal year that began five months ago. California accounts for nearly half of the $24 billion in budget deficits faced by a total of 31 states this year, according to the Center of Budget Policy and Priorities. Rendell said 41 states could face a total of $200 billion in shortfalls in 2009 and 2010 the US is entering a period where spending is dropping because of flagging consumer confidence and the prospect of new job losses according to governor patterson from new york they face a 1.5 billion revenue shortfall in its current spending plan and 12.5 billion on the next one so things are getting worse progressively worse as the state governments continue to just throw money at their bureaucracies with no care whatsoever to the people that are paying the bills, the the taxpayers. I mean, so then they're coming to the U.S. government and they're demanding a bailout. That's where we are today. So keep your eyes on this one.
2: One of the reasons that they're probably having more trouble with budget shortfalls is that most, in many places, the local governments and the county governments collect a good amount of the revenue through property taxes. They, They might not be as high. We're in a particularly high property tax part of the country. Mm -hmm. But in many places, there is a property tax that goes to fund some kind of municipal services or county services. And when even if they're not adding new programs, when those programs keep chugging right along and real estate values fall off, they're going to have a shortfall on those lower levels. Typically, you'll see the states step in and, and try to fund that in some way or make up for that, take over the responsibility for some roads or some of the school funding. So you're really seeing municipal governments failing to cut back state governments trying to step in but they're in no position to step in they don't they don't have any piles of money because they are already spending right. themselves into oblivion and ultimately it ends up at the federal level at the printing press and that's the problem with 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 our system of government, I mean, it's just when they have the power to create money, you're going to see that. As when long as long as they have the power to print money, you're right. going to see states and people, begging for money and municipalities. And doing because the, the same. government
1: has the printing press, people sort of innately, even if they don't know that the government prints money um, to you know to, to to meet its shortfalls and that kind of thing, even if they don't know that information you know from an economic standpoint they do feel it they they know that the money flows from the government mm-hmm. and uh, you know they uh, what a lot of people think is that the government uh, you know gets all of its money from taxes and it's just not so so I, the, the people who want who have their hands out of course they're going to go to the government because they're the ones that hand out the money and they're the ones that print the money and they're the ones from whom all the money flows how uh, has this ever happened before with the, the state
0: governments actually going to the feds for a bailout i don't know anything about it
2: uh i th- I think this might be a first. I mean, I don't know of any time where this has happened, and it's dangerous. Yes, it is. It could
0: be a a beginning of a trend.
2: Right. I mean, the states are going to become even more indebted to the federal government, and they're going to start to look at the federal government – in much the same way that many people do, which is that it's a nanny, it's their... like pre- a welfare queen. Right.
0: The states are going to become welfare queens after this,
2: right? It's essentially they're looking at the federal government like it's their parent, and, and they're absolutely. in a tough spot, and they're they're writing mom or dad for money.
1: Yep, and the federal government's going to give it to them because they want that. The, the you know, the, the, I'm sure that the bureaucrats up in the federal government say to themselves, I really hate the way that state might be bucking this thing or that thing. If the state comes with their handout. Then they're that much more indebted. Absolutely, they're that no. much more beholden to the federal government.
0: Right. Most state governments are pretty darn owned by the feds today. I mean, yeah. lock, stock, and barrel. They're on board for all kinds of federal programs: education money, homeland security money. I mean, there's lots Rhodes. of federal money. Roads. There's lots of federal money that comes to, into state governments. Of course, it all comes from the taxpayers. But anyway, so they are a lot of them are lining up for the uh, for the for the, just these little bits of uh, federal money that's been coming in over the last several years. Now we're talking about a significant amount. We're talking about a significant amount in one lump – essentially one lump sum, and you're going to turn these people into into welfare queens. I mean it's – and like you're saying, if they're having trouble with getting the states to be obedient on things like national ID, uh, the real ID card, which a number of state governments have basically told the feds, look – we're not interested in doing this, well, that's not, no longer going to be a valid objection anymore because the feds are going to say, well, look, if you want our $12 billion bailout here, which it appears that you need, because what else are you going to do? Cut taxes? Yeah, cut spending? Yeah. Uh, so it appears you need this $12 billion, which we'll just happily print up for you as long as you agree to implement the Real ID program, which you've said you are not going to implement. So you just change your mind on that, and we'll cut you in on the $12 billion. In fact, you're going to have to obey anything else that we come up with as well. Ma- <laughs> That's what it's going
2: to be. Yeah, uh, but I mean, in many ways, the states are, many state programs are already so tied in with federal funding that it's almost a lost battle at this point. This is making it worse, but if you look at how a school is run, y- even public schools wouldn't have to be run so inefficiently if it wasn't for the federal mandates that are in place. I think... I've heard figures as high as like 40 or 50 percent of the spending, at least in in our district here in Keene, New Hampshire, is required by the federal government. So even if they wanted to cut it, they couldn't cut certain programs because they'd lose the funding.
0: Right. These state governments would be better off cutting themselves from the federal government period, freeing themselves in so many different ways, and then being able to shave off whatever percentages uh, from the budgets they need to shave off in wherever areas are, are best to do that.
2: You'd really be much better off if you look at the amount of debt that the country is taking on in addition to the trillions the, the of US dollars. Government? The, well, the U.S. government, but ultimately it's going to affect the American people because whether or not you pay taxes or support the government, you're, you still have probably Federal Reserve notes are the paper in your wallet mm-hmm. and what's in your bank account. And if the government wrecks the United States economy, which it can do pretty easily, you're going to suffer the consequences. So... The, basically what the government is doing is mortgaging its future. It's a lot like how the housing crisis came about. They, they're they living beyond their means by essentially taking out an equity line against future U.S. taxpayers. I mean, taxes are going to have to be much, much higher in the future just to pay for programs you know, where the money's already been appropriated, like Social Security. And you could get nothing more out of government than paying for our current obligations, but taxes would still have to skyrocket. So... Really, in the long term, I think the U.S. is either going to have to restructure or it can't it's gonna, survive. It's going to have to break apart, not in its current form. I mean, That's it's gonna certainly have to, what some
0: people are predicting, and I, for one, would like to see, and I hope we can do everything we possibly can to hasten that. Uh, to make it happen sooner rather than later. I'd like I don't to be see much value.
1: I don't see much value to the uh, the federal government uh, for the average citizen. I just you know what's the point?
2: I just don't see any way that we can grow out of this problem. I don't see any way we can get away from it and fix it other than dissolving the union.
0: More on the way here. Hour number two is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves toll free at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free talk live.
1: Hey podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please, take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching
0: into hour number two of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls. To get things started here, talk to Stephen in Colorado. Stephen, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark.
5: Hey there. Uh, I'm reading, or I'll actually listening to the uh, "For a New Liberty" audio book that I downloaded from Mises.org, um, which is uh, Murray and Rothbard's uh, "Libertarian," which he he used that word um, kind of interchangeably interchangeably with anarchist. It's his basically uh, recipe for an anarchist society. Okay. And uh, it occurred to me that. Um, that since we live in this this paradigm here, this governmental paradigm, that it we might have to have two positions, and I hope you guys can help me sort this out. You guys are really smart, so maybe you can help me sort this out. And I was thinking specifically of the death penalty, for example. Um, <clears throat> do we have to have two positions on the death penalty, one under this current paradigm and then one under our ideal anarch, anarchical or libertarian or whatever you want to call it, voluntarist, Uh, paradigm Um,
1: you see what I mean Uh,
5: I'm
0: in no way in favor of the death penalty under any circumstances
1: okay I um I'm of the opinion on the death penalty that uh, the people that murder people uh, deserve to get the death penalty. However, mm-hmm. um, the the governmental system that we currently have has failed too many times for my taste. According to I, I think it's deathpenalty.org, uh, there have been two more than two hundred. I think it's two hundred and twenty or something like that people released. I don't mean their sentences commuted. I mean people released from death row, mm-hmm. realizing that they were in fact innocent since 1971, and that's. That's only thirty-seven uh, years. You're, you're not mm-hmm. talking. I mean, that's that, that's a great deal of people. The dozens a year, a dozen or so a year, something like that. So, it the the, the our system. Severely flawed, for some reason right. or and, another. And,
5: and, and it's not... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: Ahead. Well, basically, if you have a system that's that flawed, uh, it, it, I, to me, I, need, I think we need to put the brakes on it. Um, mm-hmm. Do I think that people that uh, murder somebody, especially in a particularly heinous way, deserve special punishment? Sure. We have, we have death rows. Uh, continue to use them. Put people on death row. Don't execute them. Just put them on the death row. They'll have a particularly bad punishment. For anybody who's been in prison, uh, you know, has some idea what this is like, that would really suck. It may suck worse than being put to death. We don't know. We've never been, None of us have ever been put to death. So
5: right. Uh, well, and as Rothbard points out, um, our current system is not victim-based. It, it treats the society as the victim, and what ends up happening is, for example, I was just reading an article about the girl. Uh, Mark, you might be old enough to remember this. The other, the other two guys aren't. Uh, I, I am. I remember it. Um there was about 1979 or 80 or so, there was a little 12-year-old girl who was uh, raped, and her arms were chopped off by Oof. this man, and she was left in a drainage ditch.
1: I do think I uh, recall that story. Geez. Yeah,
5: and and, and uh, now she, this woman and her family, you know, she's a woman now, they, they paid taxes to support this guy in prison. Yeah. So she was not only victimized one time, she was victimized the second time That's by correct. the state. Uh, a more and market that's based why I say we might have to have two different positions i I'm like Mark, I think that you know if you take somebody's life, you need to have yours taken. However, under this current governmental paradigm, I think not because a it's not victim based and b well, because it, as Mark points out it's failed too many times I'd
0: like to explain uh my my position here as to why I'm completely against the death penalty, even if it's the you know the free market that's deciding on it. Uh, and, and it's a similar reason to to Mark. I mean, Mark, you pointed out there have been a lot of mistakes uh, that have been found out. Who knows how any, how many other mistakes have been made that just haven't been able to be improved, and there's a bunch of guys still sitting on death row, uh, rotting away completely innocent. We don't know how many innocent men there are sitting on death row. We don't know how many innocent men have been put to death. And certainly one could make the argument that justice in a free market system would be more accurate because the uh, the entities that have an interest in providing that particular service are uh, – you know they've got an interest in making sure that they do it accurately because if they're not doing a good job, then people aren't going to use their services anymore. I mean, if it turns out that a, a private court or a private defense agency is rounding up the wrong people and putting the wrong people in work camps or something like that, or or they're punishing them, business. they're going to lose business. They're going to go out of right. business. I mean, in in a just society where people actually care about these sorts of things, uh, so they're not going to they're going to do a better job, but they're not going to do a perfect job. They're still going to be ...errors made, and those companies are going to have to pay for those errors. They're going to suffer uh, reputation ratings, you know, decline as a result of making those mistakes. So they will trend towards the better, far better, I think, than government can do, but all that said, mistakes could still be made, and plus even if even if it was a perfect system even if every single person put to death in the free market society was the individual who committed the crime then there's it's guaranteed that those victims are never going to get any sort of compensation and i think that the free market uh, justice system should be based primarily on restituting the victims, on as and doing the best that they possibly can to make the victims as whole as they possibly can. Obviously, I having insurance policies and things like that would be the ideal situation for uh, for unintended uh, situations like that. But all that said, those insurance companies are going to need to make up that money somewhere. And putting the the men that did the crime to work is a far better solution than just executing them and dumping a body.
1: Yeah, I think that right. uh, I, I think all of us agree that uh, that people that commit Crimes maliciously versus people that commit crimes accidental or not, not crimes, but people that harm other people accidentally. Um, that people, you know, that, that do it maliciously deserve more punishment in some way than people who do it accidentally. I don't think that if you rob somebody for a hundred dollars, that that somehow is less, uh, you know, uh, less bad than accidentally wrecking someone's car, costing them ten thousand dollars. Do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yep. I think that there would right. have to be some kind of punishment. I don't know what that punishment would look like. I do think that uh, Ian is right that a uh, that a free market system. I, I don't know if a free market system. Is going to work entirely, I'm just saying that a free market system would come up with better punishments, uh, it would be incentivized to do the best sorts of punishments, that the, the ones that help the victim, you know, that are they're the best for the victim, they're best for the, the criminal, and they're the best for society as a whole.
0: Help re- uh, re- rehabilitate the criminal, perhaps, and make it so that he wants to participate, because nobody can force him to do the work, no one can force him to work at a, you know, uh, a factory line, or right. answering phones, or something I think like that, that.
1: I think first off, um, you no, know, not so some of the either. first steps... That, that one would need to take is not putting people that don't uh, intentionally harm people in prison. Uh, <clears throat> by that I mean, you know, and, and if you do put people, say, drunk drivers that harm people in prison, you put them in a special one that's all by themselves because they don't need to be uh-huh. mixed up with the uh, murderers. Uh, and that I think kind of you're
2: thing. getting into a dangerous area when you're talking about a private court system. Assuming it wasn't arbitration, and I think that has its own problems. But if you're assuming this is a court system that feels it has the power to arrest somebody based on a claim made against them, to somehow detain them, and they stand to put people to work to deliver some kind of a monetary return to the victim. I don't know how you would fund this. Either it would be, you know, you'd have a subscriber-based thing, or they would get a cut of what people are doing in work camps. I think you're looking at a system where, number one, you don't have a jury, so you don't have 12 people who have to come to a unanimous decision about guilt or innocence. Arbitration is
1: I'll tell you that system, the twelve the, the twelve people system, <laughs> I know that it sounds great. It just simply doesn't work very well. Um, You've, what, we've got yeah. hundreds of years of evidence that it's the fact is they just want to get home. They aren't well, professional arbitrators. I'd like to. I'd also like to point out that the fact is if two people are using a court system to arbitrate some dis, um, dispute, they would be paying that court system. So both the uh, the victim and the, uh, the, the 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 criminal would be paying. Well, the loser would pay. And w- whether they would pay on the come, you know, in the future, or whether they would pay, you know, when they when they get there, that's how they would pay. The rates wouldn't change. And the fact is, if you're Found guilty or innocent, maybe you can get your, um, you know, you can get some kind of uh, settlement from the other person. But I don't see that a court system would be incentivized to send people to prison. I understand the problem with that, and we because have it, it is currently. currently. Because... We have it right now. The fact is, prisoners in many state prisons work for private companies, and the state prisons and the state governments get the money for those prisoners working. I wouldn't support any system where a court system benefited from people going to prison. This court system would benefit from people using it to arbitrate uh, problems it would um, in what Ian's talking about it would not benefit from people going to prison even
2: when, even when you even granted that point you're still going to have the problem of crimes like murder and rape are not just about money to most people and in the case of murder you don't have a living victim who can say I was murdered so you're not actually prosecuting someone for the crime they there committed. Are people
0: whose, there are people whose lives are affected by this I mean it could be the business that the person worked for could be the, their family members anybody else that they touch in their lives could very well easily be considered a victim in that case more on the way. Thanks for the call. It's This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. So enjoy those, including live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version. Both completely free for you, so enjoy them on us at freetalklive.com. Plus, did you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's private and confidential, guaranteed. PrivacyHarbor.com, because normal email is not secure. I'd like to continue this discussion here that we've just kind of uh, scratched the surface on, and that is... Of a, what a p- private justice system might end up looking like. What kind of uh, criminals should be in prison? And that's the point I wanted to come back on to, to sort of kick off the. Whatever this discussion will end up entailing. And, of course, you guys are welcome to chime in uh, with your thoughts or change the topic at 800-259-9231. But we were talking before about who should be imprisoned in a free market justice system. And I think that our mentality in this country, since since we were raised to believe that this nation of laws, it's a law and order society. We've kind of got this law. When I, mean, I when I say we, I mean generally in America. People have a law and order mentality. They believe that if somebody does something wrong, time in a prison cell is going to help, that, help solve. That problem for whatever reason, yeah, we already in
1: some way, help that solve, solve that problem, and it really it, doesn't. It doesn't. In fact, now, the
0: opposite of the uh, intended concept. I
1: don't know about a free market judicial system. How that would work? What the implications would be? I think that they would be far-reaching. I think in some ways that you, you can certainly look at some benefits to it, but I think that the first way uh, you know when when talking about punishments for crimes and that kind of thing, the first place to look is a free market correctional system, um, that where you would be essentially convicts would. Prisons would would compete for convicts. Judges, you know, let's say a government judge says, "Click, ten years," uh, and you know, sends the guy off. That guy sh- would have to then decide between which prisons he wanted to to end up in. He'd they likely would be, be offering him. He'd to likely stay be there. held in the county jail, where the you know the sheriff holds the keys to the county jail, and he would then have the opportunity, as quickly or as slowly as he likely would want to do, um, to go to one of these um, you know these prisons out there. Would there be a prison where guys get uh, served? A real steak and uh, i don't know about that um i got steak one uh, a few really? times a couple couple few times i mean it the, was a very special the ass end of the it, it's the tasted cow? really good i couldn't tell <laughs> it, but you know i mean that's You've a,
0: been in eight years at that point
1: uh, right? more like four but <laughs> yeah. it really doesn't matter at that point um it was for a J.C.'s dinner, and the the, the J.C.'s club had uh, raised money by taking photographs in the, uh, the the visiting park of of convicts, and they used that money for their members, and uh, you know so that's what it was for. However, would there be you know prisons where convicts got better food, had better accommodations, you, you know perhaps got to mix with uh, women or something like that? Sure, there would. Would there would also be a prison where people lived in a cell with the had, with a dirt floor with a hole in the floor well, uh, where they had to use the bathroom because, because you know. You, there would It would be based on behavior, uh, work ethic, all kinds of I things. I think
0: you're presuming you, – something you're presuming in what you're talking about there is that the system would continue going on as far as creating the amount of criminals that it does today with all this variety of different prison types. But I think we should look at – and this is something you can apply – No, to I both don't of, think that. <laughs> Okay. I don't think. Well, that that's the what it sounded like. That's well, what it for one, the system
1: like. is currently incentivized. Because
0: why do you need a, uh, a prison with steak if you don't have any? Uh, if if it's a, if you're not sending. Nonviolent people to prison, then you don't really need a prison with okay. stake, right. First off, so, one of the
1: reasons that we're sending nonviolent people to prison is because our judicial system is incentivized to send nonviolent people to prison. Right.
0: So what I want to talk about here So I'm
1: taking the incentivization away from the judicial system, away from the government I see entirely. You're when you take the prison system away from the government, they don't have any reason right. to want to send people but, to prison. But to make something
0: like that happen is just as unlikely as to is uh, to actually change the laws to make it so those people People aren't even being sent to a prison in the first place. or Aren't even put in through uh, the court system in the first place. So I'd yeah, like to I'm talk not briefly. That. <laughs> Great. That's why I'd like to talk briefly about the types of people that should be sent to prison in an ideal situation. Because okay, as let's. I was saying, this is a country where people just sort of think responsive. You know, their initial response when somebody does something wrong, when someone harms another person, their property is, well, that person should be put in jail for X amount of period of time, and then they just go and debate over what X should be. I think that we've already talked a lot on the, on this show about how certain consensual criminals, like drug uh, criminals, and so, again, I'm using government's term criminal, but drug people, uh, pr- prostitutes, gamblers, all kinds of various different consensual crimes that are currently, in many of in many cases, punished by time behind bars uh, should completely be wiped off the books. That would take a tremendous load off of the justice, so-called justice system and off the prison system. But let's look a little deeper. What are the kinds of people that really should be kept behind bars. Well, certainly crazed mofos that are willing to keep killing no matter what. They have no remorse. Just the most terrible, awful... Violent criminals you can imagine. Those people should be behind bars. But somebody who makes a mistake, accidentally, uh, you know, maybe vehicular uh, manslaughter, something that was completely accidental. I don't even know if manslaughter can be accidental, but I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Something that manslaughter's accidental. Somebody might normally go to jail for. If they're an upstanding member of society, if they have a job, if they've got a family, it makes more sense to allow that person. And if they're willing to come to an agreement on making payments to the victims and their families, and that sort of thing, then they shouldn't be put in uh, behind bars at all. They should be out working at their their old job, doing what they were doing, and a percentage of their paycheck should be drafted and sent to uh, the victim. So if we really start to whittle down the amount of uh, categories as far as people that should go into prisons, There really won't be much need for prisons anymore. I think that a lot of people should be given the opportunity to make good, and unless there's some reason to believe that this person is going to skip out or something like that and is just going to run away, then they should be allowed to try that option, I think.
2: I can see the argument you're making, but if you're putting it in the hands of the victim, if, say, Mark cripples me in a car accident, and I have the option of, say, taking half of his paycheck for the next ten years, or seeing him locked up for five years, I may very well say, I don't want the money. I want to see you sitting well,
0: in the jail. They, you're right. And that's why insurance, I think, will play an important role, because you'll have an you probably will likely have an insurance uh, policy to cover tragic tragic occurrences like that. The insurance company will give you the one lump sum that would have amounted to the payments over all those years. So whatever your your policy would be, uh, you'd get that lump sum as a possibility. I'm just talking about an option here. And then the insurance company, by right of subrogation, would then re- coop whatever they could of that sum from the actual uh, criminal the person that, that committed the crime so that removes that that objection i think well but, i also but, don't
1: think that well, the victims may maybe uh, you know uh, certainly a victim's opinion is important in uh, the sentencing process however i don't think the victims should be uh, you know doing sentencing i mean it just doesn't make any sense so they I shouldn't be made, made in a whole okay. what I, I mean not sorry, everything what was
2: the question? not everything's expressed in terms of money so if I say that having somebody locked up who's harmed me for a period of time would make me whole,
1: are we talking it about somebody count? who uh, accidentally harmed you? Not necessarily. I, mean, I don't have any problem a... with locking somebody up who has uh, maliciously harmed you. I...
0: Right, are we talking about somebody who harmed you because they were drunk and then they apologized to you and they were telling you they'd do whatever they could to make it up? Or are we talking about somebody who hates, hates your guts and is going to harm you again?
1: Now, there's so many different right, situations. The, right. There's a lot of different situations, and I don't think well, that they should be approached from the same standpoint. Well, that's the problem. Will with you have an unreasonable victim out there? Absolutely. You will have an unreasonable victim out there. But the, the problem with government laws is that it is a one-size-fits-all situation in
0: many cases where the judges are completely restricted to what they can do as far as punishment is concerned. And even though they keep trying to write more laws for more circumstances, there's no way that laws can ever cover all of the circumstances of reality. And I don't ever, I never suggested the victim should be in charge of sentencing. Uh, more on the way here. You can take control. Bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you like if you dial toll free to 1 800 259 9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. bulletin board system, Shrine of Female Listeners archives, lots of them all free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their site.
1: So enjoy ours on us at freetalklive.com. Uh if if you're looking to uh, start a business, here's a word to wise to the wise, incorporate at legalzoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that could wipe you out. LegalZoom, legalzoom.com is fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents, patents, wills, trademarks. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order at legalzoom.com and now is a great time to incorporate because it's tax tax you know, the end of the year and taxes are going to be uh due April 15th and you can get all the benefits from a tax standpoint, of incorporation by doing it now for the whole year. LegalZoom.com, $10 off your order with uh, code FTL.
0: By the way, before we continue the jail conversation and get to your phone calls, I'd like to uh, insert an invitation to you to get uh, more of Nick over at FreemindsTV.com. He's one of the co-hosts of the, and I think a very professionally produced television program coming out originating originating from here in the Keene, new hampshire area but dealing with uh, many national issues uh, so worth a look if you're somewhere outside of the new england region it's uh, it's a worldwide international show uh, so head over to freeminds you can of course uh, watch their television version of their show uh, via youtube and i think you've actually you look at, you put it on several different youtube Meta cafe you?
2: Mo- uh, most of the major video sites like youtube it's on there, or you can just go to the website and pick that up. And you can go to freeminds tv or freemindsradio. dot com. It'll take you to the same place. We've got the radio show now, uh, Sundays three to five p. m. Eastern time, so you can listen to us there too.
0: Great, and of course that's actually available on the Free Talk Live live stream. So you can just go through your regular process of listening to Free Talk Live if it's and if it's between Sunday. Uh, between 3 and 5 o'clock Eastern, you're going to hear Free Minds Radio. And, of course, the podcast and archives are also all available free to the end user at freemindstv.com. That's right. All right, so uh, back to the discussion here. You guys were going to continue it during the break, and I said, well, hold on. Why don't you just do this on the air? Uh, so, Nick, you had a question for Mark? I think?
2: Uh, well, it seems to me that once you get to the point of debating a private justice system, which I know you're going to take offense to, but... It sounds to me like, Mark, you're essentially advocating a private legal system, or at least moving very close to a private legal system, at which point you're really at the point of having a stateless society if law and order is enforced. I would
1: agree that that is a true assertion. However, the only thing I'm advocating currently and i i'm willing to get to look at stateless societies as we take steps towards them that kind of thing i don't think uh you know, I'm, I'm not interested in jumping into the straight into the deep end of the pool on this one uh but i am willing to look at the deep end of the pool you have to get there at some point in life but what i'm proposing is not a private judicial system or a private law enforcement system only a private corrections system where the judge would sentence somebody to uh, however much time i believe i'm i am against uh, people who are nonviolent going to prison so thieves. I think that thieves are best served by uh, you know, uh, paying back their victims with a great deal of interest as a punishment for their crime. I don't, think, I don't see any good reason to send a thief to prison where he can learn about how to be a, a, a better criminal with a bunch of murderers and, and rape. Or, you know, actually, I wouldn't put rapists. I wouldn't put sex offenders in the same uh, prisons as I would put uh, uh, armed robbers. I wouldn't put uh, you know somebody who had been convicted of a DUI manslaughter in the same prison as any of those people, either I would have those three separate types of judicial systems because um, I think that it, it's it, it's a bad idea to mix those. Um, from my personal own, my own personal experience of with eight eight years six months in prison,
2: to me it seems like you're looking at a very dangerous scenario where you're essentially partly privatizing crime and punishment. So you're making the incarceration part of it private, but you're still going to have a state out there, a government that will have laws on the books will sentence people, I don't see how they're disincentivized or unincentivized to sentence people. I mean, you're assuming that the only reason they send people to prison is because there are some state employees who work at the prisons, but really they do it because they have that system of being able to send people to prison. That's how they exercise their power. Understood. So uh, I don't see what you're solving by partly privatizing it. To me, it seems you're, either you say... He's making himself
1: feel better. You're solving a really bad system, okay? Uh, but you're not solving the system. Well, you're the, right. the, the correction system in and of itself is messed up. It, uh, it When you look at the recidivism rates of convicts, You'll see that there's a lot of room for improvement there. I think that one of the problems for, you know, one of the reasons for recidivant rates is because of the prison system itself.
0: I can see one of the major perks to what Mark is saying here. I mean, it's sitting as an outsider uh, watching this conversation as the guy that wants the completely stateless society, but just looking at what Mark's suggesting as far as a change to the, the state system. I can see it as a real benefit because then the element of competition will come into play considering that the criminal, in this case, the person who's being sentenced, will get to choose the prison. I think that's a major turning point as far as uh, helping improve conditions in these places. Or as opposed opposed to what we have today where the government just says, okay, you're going to go here, and then you get what you get.
1: I I think that uh, obviously there's people that want to see convicts punished. They really do. And I think that it's not the role of society to, you know, just uh, make life as as bad as possible for people that are trying to, to make themselves better. See, one of our big problems with the judicial system currently is that you take bad people, you put them in a bad place with a b- bunch of other bad people and then when they get out you have the expectation that somehow they're going to ex- um, to, to act good well, I've, they're not i've
2: never been a, i've never really expected that it's a system of reform i don't think it, it really understood. is. understood i've always so you have had this attitude where no, I, I people who
1: are going into prison will likely just continue to do that cycle for the rest of their lives you're getting what not, you expect in that not particular not i
2: think it's to me it's it always seemed like in practical terms it's crime and punishment not Crime and correction.
1: But, I mean, I you know, I'll give you... Do you, would, you would you be willing to look at corrections as a possible, uh, you know... Doesn't correction make more sense I than mean, punishment? It? I,
2: you know, I'd be willing to look at a system that's based on restitution for something like theft or, a, you know, a drunk driving accident. If it's something that
1: both parties agree to. So I think restitution if, is a very important part of what I'm proposing also because the convicts would be able to work. They would be able to earn money um, in this system because currently they're not incentive, they're only negatively incentivized to work in a lot of cases. So earning money is important and then they could pay some of that money to victims.
2: Well, I, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who don't like the idea of going to prison and I know there's a lot of people out there who'd rather get a check than to see somebody sent to jail for wronging them. So if there was a scenario where both parties the accused and the you know the the person who's claiming to be a victim want to go to arbitration you know there's been a crime committed and they would like to opt for arbitration as an alternative then I think that it should be outside the jurisdiction of the court system but that's, I, not, t- that's t- not
1: currently what's happening no, either. Uh, no. so, I mean, maybe but I'm not talking about the court system, you know? I mean, I'm talking about corrections. It's, try not to get these all muddied together, no. because they are separate entities that work together to incarcerate people. I, I'm with Ian. I wouldn't put any drug offenders in. I wouldn't put anybody who's, uh, ever, you know, who has not ever hurt anyone. Um, I wouldn't put anybody in prison who hasn't maliciously hurt someone. 800-259-9231. I, I
2: mean, I, I get your point. I just think I've I have a very hard time dealing with a partly privatized scenario like like Blackwater or any other government contractor. When you mix the government with private contractors, you can make the argument that civilian contractors, you know, companies would want to not kill civilians because no, you know, nobody who's hiring them would want to hire bloodthirsty mercenaries, but. The fact is that people do want to hire bloodthirsty mercenaries as long as they get the job done. I think the same thing might apply to a court system. Well, I
0: think that the the difference now – I'm defending Mark's position here – the difference between Blackwater and private jails or private uh, corrections facilities – would be the competitive aspect to where you're competing for the approval of the criminal instead of the companies that are looking for the military contract, they're just competing for the approval of whoever's handing out the contract at the, at the government. So, once Blackwater gets that deal, they're locked in, they've got the deal, it's a sweetheart political deal whereas in this other uh, case, you've got various different facilities that are competing for the approval of not some government bureaucrat or some committee, but for the actual criminal. I think so it's a system, different
1: situation. A system that's going to work is going to take far more account to what the victim cares about than they currently do today. And I can tell you a story, um, you know, when we come back about what, uh, you know, just happened here in Keene.
0: All right. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll free line. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, you can bring up anything, just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the Sakel CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. Yeah, Nick. And Mark, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Just head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get on board for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in, reinvest it into the show. Getting on more radio stations across the country, around the world, bringing them on board, bringing new listeners to the message of freedom and liberty. In fact, should be announcing a new station in Louisiana sometime soon, very soon. I just sent them a satellite receiver and got confirmation that it was delivered today, so that's going to be good news. And of course, we wouldn't be able to afford to send them satellite receivers if they need those sorts of things without the AMP program. So beyond just buying advertising and reaching out to the stations, that amp money actually goes to getting those stations on the air, physically putting the equipment in the rack that's necessary to bring our signal to their uh to their equipment. So that's one of the other things that amp does and if it weren't for the over 500 almost 600 people that are contributing a variety of amounts but at least 3 bucks a month to the show, we wouldn't be able to afford to do this. We wouldn't have a fraction of the radio stations that we currently have on board with us, so thanks to the amplifiers and thanks to you, if you are going to be amping sooner rather than later, head over to amp.freetalklive.com. But even if you amp later, we still appreciate that too. And that again, amp.freetalklive.com. All right, so uh, still continuing this prison this discussion here, uh, correctional institutions talking about the justice system and privatizing or, I guess, taking it out of the hands of the government in many cases. Specifically, though, Mark, you're focusing on the uh, the, the corrections institutions. And, Nick, your position has basically been, well, you agree with some reform, but you're not so sure if that one is, is one that's... Uh,
2: to me, I'm a minarchist. One of the few things I think the state is probably necessary for that, I you know, I have dar- doubts about a market mechanism working effectively in is crime and punishment for crimes you know for some fraud so theft murder rape assault those kinds of things where there is an injured party you know i think the injured party should have the say about whether a prosecution goes forward or not not the state the current system we have is flawed and certainly we need to get rid of the victimless crimes we have the drug laws prostitution we need to get those off the books but i you know i think once you get to the point of talking about Privatizing or semi privatizing the justice system you're essentially at the point where you're an anarcho capitalist whether you call yourself that or not
1: well i i don't <laughs> i don't call myself that and i don't think that uh, by using the the uh, 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 You know, a government uh, judge and a government police officer and having a private prison system that one could be called an anarcho-capitalist. I I think that that's a a stretch. But what you're proposing, although it sounds really great, it's, it's really not much different than when the liberals have said to me, well, what if we could make the government as efficient as business? Well, yeah, what if we could get pigs to shoot rose petals out of their butts, too? The the fact is, uh, the state is not incentivized to dispense justice and not incentivized to correct people and not incentivized to do anything for the public at large. It's also not Let not me tell a story to, real quick about what happened um, here in Keene. Go ahead. It's Tia. also
0: not incentivized
1: to do a good job when it's doing the things right. it's supposed to do. It, it does a poor job, and you would agree, everything the government does, they screw up, right? They do it poorly at they best. They do it poorly at best. And, and I would agree that in some cases out there that you'll take, I'll take poor over uh, you, you know, uh, the, the threat of chaos. However, um, in this particular instance, I don't think that I'm proposing anything that could be chaotic. There was a guy, a businessman, a, a bar owner who uh, had, I think, a series of 12 break-ins uh, in his business over a course of a couple of months. Uh, he put in a surveillance system uh the second time you know that that it was the guy was videotaped he caught him there was two two uh, perpetrators he came in he busted in the, the business owner busted in hit the guy with a piece of furniture the guy ran out along with the female uh um, thief the because of the videotape the cops were able to find the guy and uh they they got him and basically they told the business owner don't worry about it man we'll take care of this and we'll we'll call you when we need you it's a state law that the victim must be uh you know talked to about the sentence it must be discussed with them and all that other stuff um he was not it wasn't discussed with him and they the sentence was handed down it was 9 months with $300 restitution there was $2000 uh, stolen over the course of these 12 break-ins uh from this business owner It's just the, the till basically the guy would go in and take the cash out of the register and you know that was it um so the, the the guy didn't get restitution to the level that he was uh, stolen from, and the guy only got nine months. The business owner would have liked to have seen him get more time. I would like to talk to the business owner about what would be superior. It would be better if he got restitution. And the guy never had to snitch on his co-thief. The woman. Right. He should
0: have gotten three or four thousand dollars and not spent any time in in jail. Well, Ideally, I, I think
1: that'd be a better situation. I think so. Um. In uh, you know, if, if if uh he did get some time in in jail, the the victim at the very least should have been talked to about this because it's a state law. But the fact is, these people are not incentivized by these people. I mean, the government people in charge of this stuff aren't incentivized. They uh, who cares whether we broke the law? What are they going to do? Throw us in jail? No. So. Y- Life is going on. the people that broke the law um, the only one that's in jail is the thief and he didn't get that much time and doesn't have that much restitution the The person whos screwed here well the the business owner so even though the system is written to do exactly what you're saying it's not well and the rest because, of society is screwed because pigs don't shoot rose petals out of their butts well the rest ever. Of,
2: at one time no at one time the American Pig justice system at one time, a store owner would have had a lot more say and been more filled in on the trial. I, I can guarantee I you that. I agree
1: with you that there was, there so was probably... So to say, say sure. it doesn't
2: happen now is not to say that it to never happened or it couldn't happen. from the happen.
1: equation um, victimless crimes like drug crimes would absolutely change the scenario here. and you would probably do would have. Sure. You probably would have a situation where the 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 victim would have more input. However... You wouldn't have, um, you still wouldn't be dealing with the problems of the, you know, correction system as it exists today, not correcting a darn thing, uh, abuses of law enforcement officers of prisons, prisoners in the correction system, uh, the the use of the state for of prisoners for uh, forced labor. It doesn't solve the incentive problem. It doesn't solve any of those things, right? The incentive problem of uh, judges sentencing people to prison. The fact is, you can look at old sentencing records, and you will see that more people got sentenced to prison during hard time than they did other times of the year. Why? Because they needed people to harvest the crops in the prisons. So the judges would send more people in because they were incentivized, old boy networks, these people being in in groups together.
0: Right. well you guys have all acknowledged uh, you both have acknowledged some common problems in the government system and that is that the government can only do things poorly at best so certainly if we cut out the nonviolent criminals and the consensual criminals at those people from the picture clearly the government would be able to focus better a little bit better and on their they'd focus their poor piss-poor efforts a little better on the, the smaller caseload that they would have in that particular case and and you know as far as I'm concerned that would probably be a big improvement oh I mean it would definitely be a big improvement over what we have today in that the consensual criminals would no longer be going to jail. And
1: and outlaw plea bargaining.
0: But it's one of the reasons why I will go all the way and I'll say that uh, we don't need to have a government justice system at all simply because we have seen in every single area where uh, where the free marketplace does it better than the government does. And as far as administering justice is concerned that is a service that is in demand in the marketplace and allowing the market to fill that demand will result in innovation, it will result in competition the driving down of costs. Why anybody who considers themselves a fan of the, the marketplace could uh, could advocate for a monopolistic coercive system simply out of fear of what might happen in the market? It's still bewildering to me. Well, you're talking about making
2: a market for coercion
0: to a large extent. That's
2: true. Ta- if you're yeah. talking about if you're talking about private protection, I mean, t- in your scenario, Ian, all you know the law enforcement or however it would be. Essentially, you have. Security companies that would double as either police or armed forces for defense. You're talking about agencies, armies, and police forces, magistrates, that their purpose in existing is to apply force. If, you, you know, if people could get along and resolve things simply by talking about it, there would be no need for a justice system whatsoever, and there'd be no need for armies. So,
0: But the difference t- between what I'm talking about here – now, there are some people who are um, free marketeers uh, that would suggest that everything should be completely consensual. But I think that if you've got a, a murderer or a rapist out there, you've got to have a bounty hunter to bring that person in by force. But – in the, the difference between what you're talking about, the current system with some minor changes, and my system, which is a completely well, – I, I don't know so, if I'd say some minor okay, changes. major I mean, changes. You,
2: you, need to, you, would, you would essentially – I would say 80 to 90 percent of the people in prison would not be in prison.
0: But and, the difference here <laughs> is that when that bounty hunter goes after that person or when that insurance company – and the bounty hunter has been hired by the insurance company. When they're going after the, uh, the person who they believe committed the rape or the murder, for instance, the violent crime, they better be right – Because if they're wrong, then they can take a hit in the marketplace. Uh, They can have a reputation damage. Whereas if the government screws up, as Marv was telling us, with the over 200 people released off of death row... Nothing really ever happens. No punishment is ever meted out. I mean, they just say, whoops, sorry, we'll see you later. Have a nice day. You know, the judges are not punished. The people that put those people behind bars are not punished. There's no way for the marketplace to respond to that. The government malfeasance. But in the market, if people put the wrong uh, guys in jail, then they're going to suffer some consequences. Hour 3 is coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live.
1: This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com.
0: This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the sickle cai toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Those other talk show hosts in the industry, they want to charge you for accessing their sites. Ours is free, so enjoy. At freetalklive.com, we go to your phone calls to start out this hour. Uh, we go to Steve in Iowa. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hello. Hey, Steve, you're on the air. What's on your mind?
6: Hi, Ian and Mark and Nick. It's, uh, I enjoy your show. I'm a first-time caller. Excellent. Um, I want to talk about... Something that you guys had brought up about an hour and a half ago, and that was the the dissolution dissolution of the union, uh, and if if that's ever going to eventually happen, and um, the question I want to ask you is, how do you sell that idea to the typical person on the street? I, I live in Iowa. How do you how do you convince the typical Iowan that their fate is is best left to themselves and not to be Directly well, now, now, connected to those in, in, in Florida.
0: Oh, okay, I see where you're coming from. But if you're just advocating for the uh, the dissolution of the Union, that's not necessarily advocating for uh, their fate being left up to themselves. That's just advocating that there be 50 state governments or several state governments uh, dividing away from the Union. I'm curious, have Which you I'm asked for, by
6: people? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. I think that's a great idea. I, I,
0: I'm, I know, uh, but I'm curious, have you asked people what they think about the, the federal government? I mean, have you ever Ask the question: What do you feel like you even need the federal government for? Or what are the responses you've gotten?
6: Well, um, I mean, most 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 people, I think, would would see things your way. I mean, the federal government is a monstrously corrupt, uh, you know, non functioning entity that we would be best off to do without. But let's here. I am in Iowa. I grow corn. Um, I'm landlocked, right? I mean, this would be one of many issues that a person might bring up. It's one of the uh, biggest
2: issues that's come up for me when i've been thinking about it from a from a practical perspective people in the middle need a way to be able to trade with the rest of the world or wait
0: a minute don't aren't there countries in europe and uh asia and other places that are completely landlocked they're usually poor right hmm. yeah
6: I- exactly um Does that have have more to do with the
1: fact that they have totalitarian state governments? Well, uh, I'd like to – before we go on, um, a lot of the landlocked countries in the – you pretty much have to take out uh, of the equation most of the dictatorial uh, um, countries in the world. Look at Rhodesia, for instance. I believe uh, Zimbabwe is what we call it now with the hyperinflation. Um, So if you look at Rhodesia back in the 40s, you're talking about a huge producer of grains, Well, not anymore because they've had dictatorial regimes. Uh, But they're also severed from
2: having a direct trade route with the rest of the world because the British Empire controlled South Africa. Rhodesia or Zimbabwe had a direct route to get its goods to market because it was part of the British Empire. So the idea, one of the reasons that the union was first created was the concern that the states would put up trade barriers and tariffs between each other. Are they going to start
0: shooting down airplanes?
2: (laughs) Well, no, it really doesn't have to come to that absurd conclusion. You might see trade barriers. We already see California has stricter trade standards on some chemicals and things than the rest of the states. So there might actually be a borderline with California where you'd have to stop and bring your goods across. I think you'd probably see states come to an agreement. Iowa could band together with... Other states in the Midwest, they could get access to the Great Lakes, and then they could trade with New England and Ontario sure. and all that.
6: But here's where I'm going with this, Nick, is uh, taking it from ideology to how do you how do you actually sell this to the man on the street? Because I don't think uh, our federal government, as is, is a, is a viable entity for for another fifty years. I think that they're, we would be much better off, you know. Well,
0: You just have to sell that.
6: But how do you you convince somebody? Well, didn't you just
0: tell – I mean you're talking about convincing somebody that loves the federal government. Didn't you just answer my question earlier by saying that the people you've talked to don't don't want the feds?
6: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what do you you... need to
0: convince them of?
6: Well, how do they – what what was just spoken of earlier? I mean, there are some advantages that a person in, in Iowa is going to is going to have by having this sort of United Confederation. That I think it's it.
0: myopic to believe that uh, you know that, that that as Nick suggested that people wouldn't be able to work these things out uh, on their own without having mm-hmm. some overarching right. central authority. Sure, they
6: would, but before that breakup happens, I think people to get people on board what, what, you would have to you would have to spell this stuff out. You would have to you would have to uh, you know. Uh, address these issues beforehand the
2: key thing i think is is to point out that you know when you point out the kind of debt that this country's taking on and you you point out how it's similar to the course that the soviets and many other failed empires have taken you can pretty much you know a a well-educated person somebody that's logical is going to say okay what we're doing now is not sustainable so Uh, we're going to see that you know the union in its current form At some point, probably, you know, in 50 years, certainly, I think it's a good chance that the union is going to go away as we know it. So doesn't it make more sense to peacefully let states and regions leave the country and do their own thing, just cast off the federal government and sort out those problems in a peaceful and orderly way while they have time to think about it? Because I would say, sure, there are going to be some problems you know there are clearly advantages, not as many taxes, not as not as an aggressive foreign policy, that sort of thing and yeah, there's going to be some problems, but wouldn't it make more sense to deal with those problems now at a time when our dollar hasn't been crashed to zero, at a time when you know we aren't in even more wars than we are already wouldn't it be better to to get out while we're still ahead is kind of the the tact I would take with it my
0: answer to it's this. It's a great question, by the way. Yeah, I it, like this absolutely. discussion because well, we do need to figure I, out
1: how to communicate this. My answer to this is I haven't talked to anybody who um, uh, who has thought that it's – I haven't talked to very many people that I've been able to convince of the idea of secession. I've only talked to people that say, say either, yes, I'm for that, usually southern people who are still pissed about a war that ended 150 years ago, um, or – uh, people that say it'll never happen. There's actually course, not necessarily more people...
2: support for secession in the South. By the way, they they did did polls and absolutely it's pretty consistent. True. Just to make that point. I, uh, absolutely true.
1: However, it twenty the...
2: percent that were pretty in favor. It's of it? like twenty percent. It's a little bit higher in the Nationwide, South. Twenty-five percent in the South. It's
1: so you're you know more or less i haven 't had a lot of luck with it, and I think that what we 're going to end up doing is we will end up breaking up when the uh w- when the union itself has some kind of problem
0: but wait, your two responses were i 'm in favor of it or i don 't think it'll ever happen. thinking it'll never happen doesn 't mean they aren 't in favor of it so
6: can I add something here yeah I, I, my my suspicion is when you look at at the economic policies of the in- incoming administration and the Gargantuan numbers that that they're talking about that really are going to turn our economy into something that people don 't recognize anymore, um, I suspect that over the next three or four years a far larger percentage of people are going to start looking at things like recession and having more local currencies and things like this a lot more favorably than they do right now. I think over the course of the yeah. next four or five years there's going to be a tremendous shift uh, in popular opinion sort of in your direction. My question is how do you how do you sort of alleviate some of the concerns that a person like me would have uh, and how do you how do you pose this as a as a as a feasible idea to to the, the general public?
0: So your concern is what that Utah is going to put up a bunch of fences and uh, keep all the the trade routes blocked uh, going that go through their state. I mean, what, what is do a you legitimate think Utah concern? And Iowa are yeah, I mean,
6: you, you say that a bit mockingly, but but that's that's actually not an entirely unreasonable concern. No, nope, it's not it stands, unreasonable. As it stands now, I mean, there is absolutely nothing that you know the system <laughs> of bringing my commodities. Uh, down to the Gulf or over to the East Coast and shipping them off to whoever needs them is a completely seamless uh, system. Uh, the federal government works for me in that regard.
0: Well, no, they well. don't. They actually work against you. The federal government has incredible amount of regulations imposed upon the oh. professional drivers that drive cross country well, right. and from you're state right. to state, and okay. that increases the cost of every you know every good that hits the marketplace.
6: That's I, true, but the people on the other end pay for that. I, I, I don't. I, the, the point being is you how pay do for it I,
0: when you go to the grocery store. You pay for it when you buy anything at any uh, discount retailer. You pay for it any anytime sure. you purchase a product in this country. You pay for well, federal government regulations. I don't think there's the a roads. state
1: out there except for Maine that has simply one, uh, you know, one uh, other state to deal with. And Maine can ship things through New Brunswick. So there's, there's and they have, they have they like 1,300
2: miles of coastlines. So. Right.
1: And there's um and and they so, you know so there's uh, these built-in competitions that didn't exist quite as much when uh when when uh, Transportation was uh, was was tighter. You know, it's a lot harder to drive your corn to market with uh, two oxen, Um, you know, in the 1700s when the Articles of Confederation were in place than currently, you know, with today. I think that uh, you'd look at the Mississippi River and all the major rivers out there. Um, if if there was a problem, you would still have treaties between the states that say that, uh, you know, rivers can be used by people of different states and the things like that. It, you well, know, with so those
6: treaties comes a centralized enforcement mechanism. Well, no,
2: I, I think that states at, can independently, even if, you're independent, centralized enforcement even if you have independent states, it still benefits all of them. ...to set up a system where they trade with each other freely. And I think you'd see that without, like, a, a central authority. Yeah,
0: well, let's come back to I this. Hang like on, Steve. We're going to bring you back here because it's an important discussion. And we we'll want to continue it here in a moment. 800-259-9231 if you'd like to add in your thoughts as to how best to communicate the ideas of secession. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. And you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free on the website, so enjoy them all, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're free for you at
1: freetalklive.com. Are you looking to get involved with young liberty lovers from across the country? Join B- Bureau Crash. Help us fight stativ- statism in all its forms at bureaucrash.com. Also, be sure to check out our Pro Freedom t-shirts and other swag at at the Contraband Store so that you can quite literally wear your beliefs on your sleeve. That's bureaucrash.com.
0: 800-259-9231. We go back to Steve in Iowa. Uh, Steve had called in to ask the question about, well, how do we best communicate the idea of secession to the average Joe on the street? Of course, the first uh, point I made was, well, have you ever asked anybody about it? You said yes, and that you've gotten a pretty warm response to the idea. So I think that's a good thing. Now you're just kind of talking about the details, like, well, what will happen if, you know, some state goes crazy and builds a bunch of borders and it wants to charge people tariffs in order to cross through its boundaries? And I know you wanted to go on, Steve, so I want to get to your uh, whatever your next question is or your next point. Uh, But so, you know, kind of the question of, well, what if, what if, what if? What if these states go crazy and decide to just sort of lock themselves down? Well, of course, it will be to their economic economic detriment, um, and and because there are states that are surrounding one another, uh, there will be some sort of competition effect to where one state that's put up a border and is extracting tariffs from people when they're trying to uh, when they're trying to get their goods through they're only going to be able to extract so much and demand so much because otherwise once that cost becomes too high those shipping companies are just going to ship around or they're going to put it on an airplane and ship over or they're going to the market is going to uh, only put up with so much of that and of course as and again as i pointed out it'll be to their economic detriment uh, to close themselves down like that but that's a possibility i mean it, who knows what the way things are going to break up how things are going to play out what uh, sort of governments that will will Result in because I mean there'll be no more controls over those state governments beyond their own constitutions and we all know that that doesn't uh, do very much. So right. uh, are are crazy things possible? Yes. Are they likely? Are they probable? I would say no because people like the standard of living they have today. And if anything, if they understand that reducing centralization is a good thing, I would hope that they wouldn't want to apply that on the on a local level or on a on a state level.
6: Well, I'm I'm mainly concerned with. As you pointed out, how do you how do you sell this to the man on the on the street who who could point to, uh, you know, centralization and um, the Tenth Amendment, which, which makes sure that there is none of these crazy crazy interstate barriers? Uh, what you're talking about is being crazy. I'm not so sure it's entirely crazy. I mean, not having access to an ocean is actually uh, you know a, a serious political liability. And as as one of you guys pointed out, pointed out, I forget who it was, nations that are landlocked landlocked they run into a lot of problems. So a, a, a state like Louisiana or Texas that um, a farmer in Iowa may have to deal with in order to get their goods, you know, onto a larger market, they may very well have to pay a political price to that. They may have to sell their commodities at a lower price in order to in order to to those particular states in order to get them uh, to the sea. And you see that type I, I, of stuff all around the
1: world. I see what you're saying, but um, you're, well, the, the the examples that are being used here, uh, the, the Iowa isn't landlocked. Iowa has the Mississippi River running right alongside so okay. a good quarter of it you know quarter of its uh, border is is you know, water. Now, sure. one can start to look at places, you know, places like Nebraska, which does have—is it the Snake River that goes from Nebraska to? I, don't, I can't remember. No, the, the,
6: the Nebraska is actually, by by your logic, not landlocked either. The uh, the the Missouri River, the Sioux River is going to is going run it the right Missouri through it River? as well. Okay. Uh, but I mean, historically, you know, great nations have been built by by controlling access to you know miles of rivers. That's that that's how Rome developed. Uh, so that, that's that that doesn't really make me feel a whole lot less landlocked.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, th- th- then you're talking about, uh, you know, treaties between uh, countries, essentially you would have these states be countries, mm. treaties between countries as far as uh, you know, who gets to, you know, travel through what, where, and uh, I, it, treaties are long-standing been between nations, and they've, been, they've worked rather well. I understand that the, uh, the, the Mississippi run, River runs exclusively through Louisiana at some point, but you know, they're, Louisiana, if they want to get corn and they want to get other products from other states, then they're going to have to play ball a little bit. Sure, but they can extract a price. But they're not and the only place with access right. to water. And, and the, the fact right. is, I understand that's that true. that's true, but no. Iowa, um, you know, having the, the the wonderful soil that it does, can simply grow corn better than they can in New Hampshire, you right. can grow that much more corn, even if there's a price, a premium on the corn. It's still going to be cheaper in some cases than locally grown corn. So therefore, it's going to compete better. Um, you know, no, yes. no question.
6: But but in order to get access, let's say to to uh the Atlantic Ocean via New Hampshire, New Hampshire might want to you know extract. A cost. They might want Iowans to sell corn to them at half price or or, or something along those lines. They, they
2: might, so, but you you do have that competition mechanism, and there's there's just so many states with access to the sea. I mean, you can make the same argument. How does Pennsylvania get ocean access? Well, the people in New Jersey have enough, you know, they're close enough to the people in Pennsylvania. They, I'm sure they have familial ties. Sure. I mean, they they essentially have a shared sense of culture. They have the same language. I don't think you would see as much of the political gamesmanship as you do in, say... Ukraine and Russia. Right. I mean, those are two countries that have a history of going to war with each other. They're different languages different ethnicities people right. you know the there's animosity there is, is,
1: the ethnicity issue is huge uh, because around the world that's basically what you have however in the United States you don't have that because we're so um, you know mingled that we, we as far as common heritage goes basically everybody who would be in these separate 50 countries except for some you know uh, Native Americans or and and, presuming a total 50 country situation it could be right. 10 countries right you know, yeah, absolutely could be they could 100. break off in pieces you
2: could have states Splitting in two That's possible well, Yeah
1: well
0: I think That's going to be
1: Harder it, it may be. Well, because the state governments won't want to, won't want to give up their power on this that true. one. The simple fact that the federal government went away doesn't mean that the state governments will.
0: Let's presume that a lot of this uh, paranoid uh, stuff is going to happen. Let's presume that for whatever reason, all of the water uh, born states managed to f- create a cabal and well, uh, and, and increase tariffs yeah. on the internal states. Let's just presume for a moment that that it could actually happen. And I don't believe it's even possible. Uh, But let's presume it sure. could happen. What is the actual cost of the, you know, what's the aggregate cost of that going to be compared to the cost of a how-many-trillion-dollar federal government? I mean, what are we talking about here? The federal right. government is so incredib- uh, is such an incredibly large behemoth. It sucks off so much wealth from the productive economy. How much could the tariffs really be in comparison to that?
6: Listen, you, I'm, I'm sold on that point, and that's why I'm, I'm really on your guys' side. And I don't want to take up all your time tonight, but the, the point that I was trying to make is that uh, in order to sell this to the guy in the street, these are the kind of these are the kind of uh, things that they're going to want to know. These are the I kind agree. of concerns that they're going to have, and these are the kind of things that I think you guys are going to have to address. Um, so that's I, I guess that's really the, the main point. Good point, Steve. That I, and to make I thank you tonight.
0: for the call tonight. I appreciate the uh, the discussion here.
2: Yeah, I think the issue is you just have to look. It's a cost benefit. I mean, are there going to be problems? You know, trading problems and things like that. If you had 50 separate countries instead of 50 states, sure. I'm sure they'd be worse at the beginning, too. I'm sure it would sort itself out. And I think you better believe it. I would. think in the aggregate. I mean, when you look at it, to me, it seems like it would be a better situation for everybody involved, except for maybe. Except for the, the, the Yeah. Except for the, <laughs> the few rich and powerful in Washington for everybody involved. If we had those few problems instead of the numerous problems we have with the federal system we have today. It's a broken system already.
0: It seems like an easy choice, and I think that's why it could be a pretty popular one. If we can start to popularize these ideas, the idea of secession, people need to be talking about it. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever is on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. So enjoy those. And those features include the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. W-I-K-I wiki.freetalklive.com. Also, want to invite you to the Free State Project's Liberty Forum. freestateproject.org slash libertyforum is the website to go and get more information about this amazing uh, networking uh, opportunity. There are going to be hundreds of people, all of whom love freedom. I mean, to various different levels. Some of them are minarchists. Some of them are uh, probably considering themselves anarchists or uh, free marketeers, voluntarists. But basically, the one common element among them is they all believe that the maximum role of government should be the protection of life, liberty, and property. And they're all getting together to talk about, uh, to talk with one another about the issues, have panel discussions, have uh, key speakers like Glenn Jacobs, uh, WWE's Kane, Dr. Mary Ruart, David Nolan, the founder of the Libertarian Party, Richard Heller is going to be there from the Heller versus D.C. gun case, Will Buchanan from the Walk for Liberty, Mark Stevens from Adventures in Legal Land, Angela Keaton from Antiwar.com, and New York State's Teacher of the Year, John Taylor Gatto, a man who has uh, joined the side of good and is now speaking out against the government indoctrination system. So there's so much to to see here, and this is just scratching the surface of the amount of speakers they're going to be having. They're going to uh, be announcing more speakers coming up because there's still a few more months left before this event actually occurs. It's happening in early March, March 5th through the 8th. It's the Free State Project's Liberty Forum. You've heard us talk about activism here in New Hampshire. This is a great opportunity to come up and experience what it's like to be around hundreds of other people that actually feel and believe the same things, many of the same things that you do. It's an amazing experience, and I highly recommend that you uh, come and join us because we're going to be there broadcasting Free Talk Live the entire uh, for the entire occasion. And we look forward to seeing you as well again, lots of stuff going on during the hours. The schedule has not yet been announced. You can bet that once the schedule is announced, the prices are going to go up. So if you want to get in on this, it was great the last two years we've been it was it's only been uh, this is going to be the third year coming up, so I'm expecting to be uh, as good coming up here in two thousand and nine. We recommend it. Hope to see you there, freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to get more information and get signed up. And use our discount code to save yourself an extra 10%. Whether you buy now or later, you'll save 10% with this code, 2009FTL. It's 2009FTL. So come join us for the Free State Project Liberty Forum at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum as we continue with your phone calls. Ken is on the line in Colorado. Ken, you're on Free Talk Live.
7: Hey guys, hey. I'm about a week behind in the podcast, and you guys were talking about licensing and the so-called black market. And um, you said something on the air that kind of made me say say to myself, "Ooh, God, that hurt." Oh. And um, I'm talking about libertarian diction here. Hmm. And I know sometimes it's really hard. You're in the middle of a th- stream of thought, and you come across a word, you know, uh, you come across some terminology that you've never really. Uh, concentrated on from mm-hmm. a libertarian standpoint before, and the term that came out was legitimate market, and that was in terms of the government-sanctioned market. And I would like people, if you can, to think about that a little bit, to think about the term black market and how that sounds, and the term uh, legitimate And how that sounds, and, you know, of course, the government doesn't really have anything to do with legitimacy. Um, So I would like to consider the terminology of government sanctioned or government forbidden in terms of the market. Um, Because, you know, I hate to hear the words legitimate coming out when you're talking about government. You you know what I
0: mean? Well, the term legitimate does have to do with law. It's according to law. Lawful is uh, the definition of legitimate. Legal. So, you know, that's not what
7: people think when you say legitimate.
0: Okay. People think
7: good and right.
0: That's true. I
2: mean, you could just say the legal market and the illicit market because illicit does imply
0: prohibited. Yeah. Of course, illicit doesn't illicit sort of suggest naughtiness? Well,
2: it's prohibited by the government. I mean, illicit to me is it invokes the law. Like, if it's an illicit drug.
0: It's not legally permitted or authorized, unlicensed, unlawful.
2: Right, but it doesn't mean bad. It just means unlawful, right? This
0: is true. I think, Disab-
7: that's, a, I think that's a good point. Uh, prohibited is, is another good idea.
0: But yeah, it also, second definition market. is disapproved of or not permitted for moral or ethical reasons.
1: I think there's plenty of stuff that's uh, in the black market that, that would fit yeah, there that is, description.
0: There is some overlap.
2: I mean, I guess you could say the legal and illegal market. But
1: Look, if heroin's legal, it right. d- doesn't
0: mean I approve of it. Yeah, well, I see where you're coming from, and uh, and you make a good yeah. point. So instead of legitimate market, you're saying legal market would be a better a better term.
7: Right. This is something we all struggle with from day to day. We always run across these terms that we've been programmed to use. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just that the use of legitimate really seems to hurt. You know, it really grinds to me.
0: Well, I appreciate the suggestion and always looking to communicate better. So uh, thank you for that. Any other thoughts? No, that's all. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate the call tonight. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Uh, you know, let's let's talk here. Since we've been talking about the secession concept, Nick, you had a related story, not really directly related to the idea of secession, but uh, to the idea of states' rights, uh, to the idea of states being more independent from the federal government. Uh, apparently there's some sort of court decision that's come down that is suggesting or telling uh, the state government people that, they're no longer allowed to arrest for federal crimes? Um, well my understanding correctly?
2: Sort of, and I'm a little bit confused on the way this article, this particular article reads and the conclusions that they draw from it, but this is from Americans for Safe Access, meaning for safe access to medical marijuana. Got it. The U.S. Supreme Court refused to review a landmark decision today, this is dated December 1st, in which California state courts found that its medical marijuana law was not preempted by federal law. So the state ruling found that the federal law did not preempt their state legalization or decriminalization a of a good ruling. Marijuana.
0: It's very pro-state's uh, pro rights, I mean, if you believe states can have rights. In
2: my opinion, it's the correct ruling constitutionally and morally and all that. Yes. Well, the state appellate court decision from uh, November 2007 ruled that it's not the job of local police to enforce the federal drug laws. The case um, involved... Uh, Felix Ka, a medical marijuana patient from Garden Grove and uh, it was a result of a wrongful seizure of marijuana by local police in June 2005. Obviously the wheels of justice turned slowly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Medical marijuana advocates hailed today's decision as a huge victory in clarifying law enforcement's obligation to uphold state law. Advocates assert that better adherence to state medical marijuana laws by local police will result in fewer needless arrests and seizures. In turn, this will allow for better implementation of medical marijuana laws, not only in California, but in all states that have adopted such laws. So what they seem to be saying is this state ruling in California means that local police and state police all over the country don't have to enforce the federal laws.
0: It doesn't mean they are ordered to stop enforcing. It just means they don't uh, have right. to. I
2: mean the Supreme Court doesn't say that they don't have a standing to. In California certainly this holds weight and what it does is it sets a precedent. So while each different state has its own courts and, and could probably hear you know, hear a case on this, it seems to me that they're gonna look at what California said the Supreme Court didn't overturn this decision, so essentially... They didn't want to hear it. Right. right, right they, well, they, they did. Yeah, they didn't want to hear it. They Which means went, that they... It stands. Yeah, right. it stands. So it is, basically, you will not have your state and local police enforcing federal drug laws. So if your state decriminalizes a drug... You may not.
0: You may not. may have.
2: not. Right. It was incorrect. It's an Got improper it. arrest. So what you're looking at is essentially local police, if, it, if marijuana was made legal by the state of Rhode Island tomorrow... Rhode Island police should not be enforcing the federal drug laws. It would be de facto legal unless you happen to bump into a Should not a or could
1: not. I'm, 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 I'm cl- um, unclear here.
2: Uh, it ruled the, the exact wording is that medical marijuana law was not preempted. The ruling was that state marijuana law is not preempted by federal law. And so the, whatever the, the
0: state law is, is the yes. prime law in regards to the, the drug. As far case. as
2: the local police and the state police are concerned, yes. And, the and this isn't
0: just marijuana. This is all drugs. All drugs, all laws, period. I mean, it's essentially. The court holy. said
2: it's not the job of the local police to enforce the federal drug laws. That's a wording from the ruling. So. good
0: news. Always nice to hear a little bit of good news out there. 800 259 9231, that's the SACL CAI toll free line. We have just enough time for your call if you make it now. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call if you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we need your votes. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. Cast your vote for the show. takes you less than a minute. All you need is your email address. And it makes a big difference for us because the longer we're at the number one spot at Podcast Alley, the more people are going to come across this program. And so your votes make that happen. And you only need to do it once a month. So if you haven't done it yet this month of December, please go to vote.freetalklive.com and cast your vote for Free Talk Live. Again, that's vote.freetalklive.com. As we uh, continue uh, some of the interesting stories that happen to be in and around uh, the news, Mark, you've got something about a chocolate arrest.
1: Is this for real? Well, yes, it is. This is from uh, the Organic Consumers and Companies are Harassed by Drug Aid Agents and and Police, is the title here, and it's from Mercola.com. When uh, Canadian citizens Nadine Artemis and Ron Obadiah, sound like hippie, Organic types, don't they? (laughs) Took a uh, family vacation. It ended with them being led through Toronto's airport in handcuffs, locked up and separated from their baby. Baby. Oh, my. They took the baby away. Police told them that they could be facing years in prison for exporting narcotics. Huh? Two and a half pounds of material found in their carry-on bags had tested positive for hashish, but they didn't have drugs. They had chocolate. So far, the company... Hash? Chocolate. Organic, with hash inside. Organic chocolate.
0: But it tested positive for hash.
1: That's correct. I'm confused. Well, that's because it, te- it, it bad test tests. sucked. Okay, okay. gotcha. But, all, but these are the same tests all over. Huh. Um, and it, it's not regular chocolate. It has something to do with it being organic, from what I can tell. I see. So far, the, com- the couple's legal bills have topped $20,000. Oh, mm, you can afford that, right? I don't think anybody can. No, I can't. Especially, you wouldn't be expecting this. They were just going for a, an sh- you know, organic show or something. Wow. The couple was caught up in what civil libertarians say is a growing problem, the use of unreliable field drug test kits as the basis to arrest innocent people on illegal drug charges. Mm. The kits, which are used by most every police department in the U.S. and by federal agents and customs at the national borders, use powerful acids that react with the substance in a plastic pouch. If the liquid turns a certain color... It's considered a positive result. A positive result generally leads to arrest, but a number of legal products and plants test positive. Oh boy, chocolate for hashish, rosemary <sighs> crazy rosemary for marijuana, natural soaps for the date rate drug g h b with the growth of organic and natural foods and products, experts say arrests are likely to increase. Mm. so, yeah. You see a problem here: people getting arrested for chocolate. And the the thing is, you wonder how many people have sort of sort of pled out because they thought that maybe they had some, you know, like maybe they had some marijuana left, even though they thought they removed it or whatever. Oh, who knows? Uh, or maybe or just maybe the chocolate did have hash in it, and I didn't know when I bought it. Who knows what yeah. uh, what the reasons are that people would uh, plead out? The fact is, people plead out to crimes they didn't commit. I know. Because they're scared. Because I did it. They're scared of what might happen.
0: They're scared of the yep. possibility of being found guilty, even though they know they're innocent, just because the system is so corrupt and so dangerous, who knows what's going to happen. Well,
2: and people have a faith in technology that's sometimes misplaced. They say, well, well, the test is, you know, the manufacturer will say, well, the test is 99.99% accurate. Right. How so do you
0: beat that? How do you convince the judge you're right.
2: the 0.1? Right. I mean, they can... Or they, zero one. Well, oh, and the company true. can misrepresent things, too. I mean... They might be talking about, yeah, when you're testing against marijuana and something that tests negative, yeah, you'll get a a correct result
0: 99%
2: 99 of the time. But if you're testing marijuana against rosemary, you might only be right. Half the time.
0: Or when it's really old. What if the uh, testing agent is a little out of date and it's just not accurate as as it used to be? I mean, this is some of the things that can happen. I know that is the case with some of the, uh, the ecstasy testing kits, which I found out later on, that apparently they don't always last for a very long time. So who knows how long? I mean, these governments are not very good at doing their jobs, so there's a good chance that the government bureaucrats have just left the testing kits on the shelves without ever changing them out appropriately. That could be a possibility as well. I mean, just besides the fact that clearly they already know that there are certain things that will test positive
1: you when know, they aren't. It, 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 this, it's kind of interesting here because uh, one could do a certain amount of civil tif- disobedience by carrying rosemary around with them at all times. I suppose. Likely yeah. uh, police officers will have these uh, field test kits with them. <laughs> you, uh, you, you attempt... I don't know about that. You're, this was an airport, wasn't it? This was an airport, but uh, this I is... I don't think most cops have field testing if, if kits. If they're a
0: smart cop, they're
2: going to smell what's in the bag. And if they know their stuff, they're going to know the difference
1: between rosemary and Marijuana. Yeah, I, uh, they I should
0: have been taught what marijuana smells like at their.
1: That's a tough thing. You know, training it seminars. smells like a plant, uh, a you know, pretty, particularly pungent plant. Marijuana smells
2: like marijuana. It's it doesn't smell like rosemary.
1: I think <laughs> that people could make a, 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 a mistake on that. This is a people good question, are,
0: though. Do, do cops actually carry around testing kits? There's That's a,
1: why they're called field tests, man. They're not yeah. called airport tests, they're called field <laughs> tests. I see.
2: <laughs> I'm sure they I'm sure if they're gonna bring you back to the station they have one at the station. So That's probably I would true. think they're gonna do the test whether it's on the spot yeah. or whether they take you downtown to do a test like a like a blood test for alcohol. Uh, either way I think
0: you're gonna see this technology being used more. Even as people who are completely innocent are put behind bars for it. And you said they're facing some significant time in prison over
1: this. Well, they, they sort of w- were. I mean, basically, they've uh, managed to uh, defeat it. Um, After spending $20,000? $20, $20,000. Uh, they've, they've topped $20,000. Are they going to
0: get that money back? No. Is the state going to pay out on this? Are they going to get their time back, too? Well, How about th- that? Let's
1: not forget that they uh, attempted to, uh, apparently this, uh, you know, the, the story goes on uh, later. They were coming t- from
2: Canada, weren't they?
1: That's correct. Is
2: this 20000 yeah. American dollars or 20000 U.S.? I always wonder if they do the math. Wait, that, Canadian I've got, got a little more on this story here. As
1: for Nadine uh, and Ron here, just two weeks shy of being cleared of their drug charges, the couple, who are the founders of Living Libations, a company that makes organic and natural food and beauty products in uh, on, Ontario, were charged with drug possession, again, Oh, no. This time while crossing the border into Lewiston, New York, on their way to a natural health festival. What Despite now? the fact that they were traveling with a lawyer. Same stuff. Same tests. The same? They got it for the chocolate again? Yes. Because these field <laughs> tests test positive for chocolate. Uh, organic chocolate.
2: The officers probably don't know this. I mean, they're
1: told if they? it comes
0: back positive, you arrest them. And I'm 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 blown away they even bothered to come back. I mean, it, you would think that after it, whoa, whoa, having whoa, whoa, that whoa, 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 whoa. experience,
1: first time it was the Canadian police into the Toronto. Oh, airport. I missed that point. I'm sorry. I thought it was the U.S. guys. Nope, you, uh, Canadian police first, and then uh, the Toronto, uh, the U.S. the next time. That is traveling nuts. with a lawyer. They were traveling with a lawyer, and they still got arrested. It's <laughs> crazy. The lawyer
0: get arrested too. I don't know one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 259 9231 That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Amazing. It's going
2: to be difficult, too, when you're in somewhere where you're making these natural food and natural cleansing products. You're in somewhere like Ontario. I'm sure they have a huge market for their products. I'm guessing, since they're going to trade shows in the U.S., they probably have a big market in the U.S., whether it's New York sure. State or wherever, or in Europe. It sounds All like the they fruit, travel. new age. Right. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, I mean, no, no, it, but it sounds like they travel a lot for their business. They're exposing themselves to a ridiculous amount of risk. I mean, if they've been busted twice already for this, I can only imagine that if security gets tighter and they continue to travel and trying to do again. their business, it's going to happen again, maybe yep. more frequently.
1: Well, Alan Miller of uh, Forensic Science, uh, the makers of the Narco pouch, says the tests are designed uh, to find families of chemical compounds that are not meant to be definitive Any arrest should be the result of good investigative police work. Yeah, that's going to happen. Apparently that didn't happen. Oh, well, there you have it. Uh, Still more madness,
0: uh, and it just keeps getting worse. So one of the other reasons we need to secede sooner rather than later. Hey, here's a quick update or a quick thought on the Somalian piracy situation. We actually haven't discussed this yet on Free Talk Live, but yet it's been getting a lot of press in the news. And so I spotted a quick little blurb over at the Lou Rockwell blog kind of explaining... What the real story is. And here's what they have to say. The piracy case, according to Felix Moreno, in Somalia is a perfect example of victim disarmament at sea. Most merchant ships are forbidden by their country's laws from having weapons on board. A ban which is enforced by rigorous inspections. Which leaves a 20... A uh, 20,000-ton ship worth hundreds of millions of dollars, vulnerable to a pirate dinghy with a crew of five armed with AKs and RPGs worth no more than a few hundred bucks. So, do we allow owners to spend a few thousand dollars on weapons and private security on board? God forbid. No. Much better to send a carrier group or just nuke the uh, nuke the high seas. At present, the war navies of India, Russia, Britain, the U.S., Malaysia, and a NATO task force are in the Gulf of Aden, playing cat and mouse with a few Somali pirates, and an EU fleet is on its way. This was written a few days back.
1: Um, yeah, but I agree that this makes no sense at all. These uh, merchants should be responsible for their own well-being. But they're not allowed to be. And be allowed to be responsible yeah, for their own well-being.
2: Certainly, if they were allowed to carry weapons on these enormous oil tankers, you would see security there. And they'd be able to handle the problem much more effectively than these naval fleets. Right. Has the the naval fleet actually done anything
0: yet? I don't know that they've caught anyone. (laughs) Right. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up anything tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. We'll see you then.